And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub, who made it a last minute today after some traveling issues. How are you doing, Seth? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet. Um, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Blue Eddy. Uh, they unveiled three new products uh, for uh, solar uh, generators, uh, batteries and generators for uh, at CES this, this week. Uh, you can check them out in the link in the show note right now. Uh, thanks for Blue Eddy for being a good sponsor of Electric. Um, all right. Speaking of CES, there was a bunch of things that were unveiled at CES that are related to electric vehicle this week. Um, GM uh, I, I had a big event planned for CES. They uh, they choked a little bit. They got scared. They uh, they backed out. They made it into a uh, what do you a virtual event? But they did invite the press to Detroit. Uh, to check out some of the new vehicles that were uh, unveiling. So that's where Seth was uh, in his travel. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it, there's been a few things, but the, your focus there was the, um, the Silverado EV, correct? Right. They only had one vehicle there, and, and it was barely even a vehicle. We weren't allowed to sit in it. We weren't allowed to drive it. We could poke our heads in. It was kind of just like a, a dressed-up vehicle. I don't even know if it could even power itself. Mm-hmm. Um but that's surprising because the I mean this vehicle is coming to market quite fast, right? Yeah, and there's there's one coming even sooner, the Equinox that we uh, heard about at the same time that is coming next year. Um, All right, but, so let, let let's take a quick look though at the Silverado EV first because mm-hmm. uh, you do have uh, quite a few pictures here and um, it, quite the polarizing design on, on on that vehicle here on the on the side pictures like you you uh, you, you were kind to GM there with the featured image being uh, being the profile of it is the profile is pretty good but oh and even even this one is on profile again I, I'm trying to find uh, here you go here's the, the front. full look of the front I'm just uh, not if a big turn, fan of if the you wanted to end. turn the Chevy Bolt into a pickup this yeah. is what it would look like. And it, and it's exactly what it looks like because it looks bloated. So it, it looks like they, they took like a smaller vehicle design and just blew it up, right? Uh, at the front end, at least, it's like, like it three looks, layers. It looks puffy. Like when <laughs> the first thing I said, like, it, it looks like the uh, uh, the frunk is about to like pop open. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like when someone uh, has gained a few pounds and they're still wearing the same button down shirt and like the the buttons are starting to, <laughs> to split <laughs> at the front. <laughs> so that's the vehicle version of that. Uh, I would say it looks well. So you know, I, as I said in the post, I'm a Chevy Bolt owner. I actually like the look of the Bolt. Um, I don't, I don't love the the front, but I kind of like. Uh, I forget what they call those things in the you know by the bed where it goes diagonally down, like an avalanche. Um, I like that. That's better for aerodynamics. Um, and you know, from the side and the back, it looks like a, a pretty sporty pickup truck. Um, oh, that is the front right there. Yeah, so that's the frunk. Um, it's not as big as Ford's. Uh, what do they call that? The mega power frunk. Mega, power, yeah, whatever. It's it's just not as big. Um, it does have power in it. Um, it does. I think it's a little bit better for like sliding out. Uh, they have a bunch of accessories. I think there's like a GIF uh, further down in the post where you can see like one of their CGI toolboxes is there an angle to it because that for that picture looked like there was an angle to it but i don't I think there's a, an angle but um okay there's a uh, little compartments you can put in who uh, yeah and then this video right below that is the uh like i think one of the so so gm was really heavy on this they were like look um we don't cool. want people storing their tools 
in the back of, you know, in the bed of a pickup truck anymore. That's just not, you know, it's not a good idea. Pickup bed is for, you know, hauling big things. This is a much more secure area. Um, it's got power inside it. Um, it closes up and down nicely. It's powered. So it's a much more elegant place to put your tools um, good. for electricians and carpenters and stuff. A good way to set accessories too. Right, exactly. That's um, a nice custom built case there for the tools that you, uh, you're going to have to buy from GM. Right, right. Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be third-party stuff, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, right off the bat, I'm sure GM will have some stuff as well. Um, so, you know, some people are calling it the Evalanche, you know, obviously E and then looks like the Avalanche mm-hmm. a little bit with the side, the, the fins. Um, Ford tells me that the, the fins are actually a aerodynamic thing and they really help out with um, the uh, coefficient of drag. Um, Ford, or sorry, Chevy, uh spent a lot of time talking about how much they really spent making this thing a 400 mile uh, vehicle, which, you know, obviously a a pickup truck that can go 400 miles on an electricity is, is quite a bit of uh, work. Um, And, you know, there's also a ton of batteries in there. It's the same battery pack and um, drivetrain for the most part as the Hummer, but it's only got two motors, one motor in the front, one motor in the back versus the three motors that Hummer has. Do all trims uh, have, have two motors or do they, do they have the trim? Uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't specify. Um, I imagine that the very lowest trim will probably just be a rear wheel drive, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, I know there will be a smaller battery pack in the, in the lowest trim as well. That makes sense. Cause the, the announced the starting price of $40,000, right? Right. So yeah. $40,000, you're not going to get a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack. That's no. just, not going to happen. Um, but like, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff. And, and I think one of the other differentiators, um, is that what you're looking at now is that, uh, is that called the back lift gate or the, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. You, you put in the headlight in the headline, I think the, uh, mid uh, multiflex mid gate. Yeah. Multiflex mid gate. Um, is that? So basically the whole back of the Silverado opens up. And uh, this is you're showing the tool stuff. Also yeah. cool. Um, same kind of thing as the Ford F one fifty. It's got power out, but the the mid gate allows you to go from six feet um, of storage in the. Oh, back. this thing here. Okay. Yeah, but then it opens up, and the back seats go down, and oh. then you have a lot more storage. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, okay, and then see. beyond that, the uh, the other lift gate goes down, and then you can get up to ten feet of storage, which is mm-hmm. you know pretty big. Yeah, you see, I have a full size surfboard here. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is cool. The thing is, if it's cold, like (laughs) that's not airtight. So uh, you know, you might have to do some jerry rigging or something. Um, I mean, mean, there's no jerry rigging if you have this configuration right there. Like this is completely open to the cabin. Like yeah, yeah, and you know, they were talking about like if you put a cab on that, then all of a sudden you've got a lot of space back Mm -hmm. there. You can you can do some pretty good camping and stuff. Yeah, that's right. So uh, a lot of cool power, power on both sides here too on the, on the, yeah, they, there's, it's almost, I, I think it's very similar to the F-150 in terms of outlets everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like they were talking about, like there's an outlet in the mid middle area. There's that, you know, outlets in the front outlets all over the back. So there, there's no shortage of outlets. Um, I asked them because if you actually look at the truck, um, there's no reason that they couldn't put one of those uh, Bollinger, uh, tunnels 
from the all the way in the back to all mm-hmm. the way in the front. But um, they were like, you know, there's a lot of safety issues with that. They're looking mm-hmm. into it, but it's not something they're going to release here. Um, they're also going to release in the future a uh, more off-roady version of this thing. And it's going to have some more uh, features like uh, they kind of hinted that the crab walk was going to come to that version. But okay. it's not going to be on these first versions of the Silverado. That's more of a Hummer thing. Let's take a look at the interior too. And check yeah. So also giant like, screen. Yeah, great screen. Uh, they they like straight up ripped off Ford's uh, little dial button thing. You can see really? it to the right right above this the steering wheel. Is there a better uh, screen uh, this year? Yeah. So, so oh yeah, it's still it, part of the screen. Yeah, you're right. It's the I mean, it's the exact same thing. It feels mm-hmm. the same. You know, uh, it's it's well, the same idea. I, I think it's actually a better implementation though than straight right dab in the middle of the bottom. Like it, uh, it, it feels like it, like yeah, it limits you in what kind of UI you can build around it for the Ford. I feel like they, they really limited themselves with that. Like this is more like to the side, but you're right. It's still, it's still right in the screen of it. So yeah. And they just glue it right on the screen and it, it works as a, uh, a dial button. And they, they made, made sure they noted that the dichotomy of like, you know, sometimes you want buttons like for the HVAC stuff and sometimes you want screen stuff for like music and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a nice interior. I definitely think the screen is good. Um, the, the, the quality of the materials seems a little bit more Chevy bolt, uh, ish to me. If you know, the, the seats with the white and the black. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, perfectly nice i don't i don't see any problem with it yeah i mean i like i haven't seen it in person but f- from the pictures it doesn't look as like, as luxurious though as the finish of like the f-150 am i wrong no that's true yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this is going to be a luxury trim uh, yeah. type of vehicle uh one big difference between the f-150 and the silverado and, and by the way both ford and chevy are are very focused on each other in terms of competition. They're, mm-hmm. they're not really thinking about Rivian or Tesla or anyone else. Maybe Ram. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Ford's philosophy was we're going to get to market quick by building it on top of the current Ford F-150. Chevrolet has said on multiple occasions, we started from scratch. This is a purpose-built electric vehicle. Um, we, we redid everything. And there's pluses and minuses to that. Like we know from from cars that uh, the vehicles aren't quite as elegant if they're, you know, one of the, like, let's say the uh, Hyundai uh, Ionic, which, you know, they have like the gas version, the, the PHEV version and, and the electric version. It's not quite as elegant as a car that's manufactured to be strictly an EV. So Chevrolet is going to have some uh, benefits there, but, it's going to take them another year to get to market beyond Ford. Ford and um, ramp up the ramp up could right. also be affected by that. Yeah. No, I, I I get your point to to Ford's defense a little bit. Uh, they 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 built it on on the existing vehicle platform, but the it was the next generation F one fifty. Like it, they just launched it to at the same time, so they uh, I would assume that they took into account that they were going to make an electric version of it too. So it's not, it's, it's not like the Ford focus electric, for example, right. that was like that, that, which would, I mean, I want to say a mess, but like that was a clear uh, example of like building a compliance car on an existing internal combustion engine platform. Um, this is not what the F-150 Lightning is, uh, but yeah, there's still, 
the differences are still fair, like you, like you said. No, this is exciting. When, when is this thing coming to market now? So that's the other problem. Uh, 2024 uh, model year. So it's probably going to be late 2023. Um, they haven't given an exact date yet. But then if it's on like the Hummer, like we just learned, it was the same thing. So it's a 2022 model year, but it's going to come in 2021 and be literally delivered one in 2021. <laughs> so if that's an indication, let's not get too excited about the Silverado EV for next year, but maybe for the year after that. And then, like we said, the ramp up, the ramp up is really what's important. Um yeah. But yeah, the uh, the Silverado EV was not the only electric vehicle on Ville by. Uh, I don't know. I have to go through this whole thing now. Let me back up here. Sorry, I, click, I clicked on one, one too many pictures. I'm gonna have to go back. Uh, let me just see. All right, the uh, other one that was on Ville is the Equinox EV. Um, which, and we were surprised by that. We didn't have any idea that was coming. Well, they were talking about like another uh, SUV, uh, small SUV crossover uh, coming. We just didn't know exactly what. Like it, and right now, it looks pretty clear that GM is committed to having electric version of their uh, existing lineup. Yep. Uh, which I always found problematic, uh, especially when they would build them on the exact same platform. Now, now this is different. GM has put uh, has solved this issue since they with the Ultium platform. Ult- Ultium platform, they, they, they building those cars on an e, uh, EV dedicated platform. They just look, look somewhat similar to the uh, their gasoline powered version uh, and share a brand name with EV headed to it. Uh, my other issue with that, other than the technological issue with the platform, which again, GM has, doesn't have this issue right now, is that a lot of people compare them to the gasoline version in terms of sticker price. And we know that electric vehicles have higher sticker price. You need to look at the cost of ownership to see the economical advantages of uh, an electric powertrain. And some people, it's just they cannot do that. Like they, they, they're stuck with a sticker price. Well, the exciting thing about the Equinox is that the the price is actually what's one of the most attractive thing about the vehicle. Other than the design, like on, unlike the Silverado EV. Um, so to make it clear, I'm not like just bashing GM because I do like this design here of the Equinox. It's uh, I think it's very sharp looking. The uh, decent solution too with the for the front end. Like sort of a fake grill, but not exactly. Like they they define like kind of a halfway a solution. So they didn't announce any spec right now. They just announced a starting MSRP of around uh, that's the quote around thirty thousand dollars. So an MSRP around thirty thousand dollars before incentive. That's hella cheap. Like yeah. super super cheap. <clears throat> um, few more pictures that they released uh, while the renders. Uh, this this looks super sharp and silver, uh, and then these two interior shots here, like uh, the, the same uh, screen as the as we saw in the Silverado EV, mm-hmm. uh, similar interior too. Like you won't be too confused by it. Uh, very much a Chevy, but yeah, so a little bit be- uh, bigger than the the Bolt uh, EV uh, EUV, but uh, similar in size. They uh, they say that it's gonna come in uh, LT and RS trims like the other uh, Chevy that uh, Ford uh, not for GM's offers, but again no no pro- no specs on it. So saying that the thirty thousand dollars is good is dependent on the specs. But I would I would be surprised at this point if GM releases an EV with less than two hundred miles of range. So I would expect that in it. 
Yeah, I mean, so this is kind of like a Bolt EUV. Like, it's very similar. It's like it's hard to imagine a Bolt EUV existing at the same time as this, which costs thirty thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. So it, it, this might be the 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 end of the Bolt. Um, yeah, and as as they announced too, at the same time, they confirmed the Blazer SUV also coming, uh, Blazer EV, which is a little bit smaller than the Equinox normally. Uh, so so it would make sense that the Blazer would kind of replace the Bolt EV and the Equinox EV replace the Bolt EUV. Uh, that, that would make sense. For the Equinox EV, it's going to come to market as a 2024 model year, so end of 2023. And spring of 2023 for the Blazer EV. So, Blazer EV actually coming faster. It doesn't make much sense because they done, they didn't unveil as much information <laughs> about the Blazer that's going to be coming first. I thought, I thought the uh, Equinox was coming first, like in. Well, they said spring for the Blazer. Okay. That would be before uh, the 20. I mean, the spring. No, you cannot release a 2024 model year in spring, right? They make their own rules. The other thing is um, to get the price down to $30,000, uh, GM told us at the battery day two years ago that they, they're they dealing with like 50 kilowatt hour modules. So they're, they don't call them modules, but they're like packs. And basically uh, <clears throat> the smallest cars will get a 50 kilowatt hour pack, which will give this car probably about 200 and maybe you know 15 to 20 miles of range then you know bigger cars will have mm. uh 100 kilowatt hour packs and then obviously the trucks mm. will have 200 um so th- that's kind of where i'm expecting this to land yeah keep that in mind in terms of the pricing too like uh uh, like Jonathan Root just wrote in the comments right now, 105000 for the Silverado EV. Like, yeah, if you want the big battery pack, it's it's going to cost you. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a starting price of the big battery pack, but we can get a good example because it, it looks like, like you said, said, GM looks to be watching Ford in the F-150 Lightning program uh, when it comes to the Silverado EV. And what happened this week is that Ford uh, actually released the online configurator for the F-150 Lightning because um, we know that they have the reservation process, but they are they closed the reservation, and now they're trying to convert those uh, reservations into orders. And uh, at the same time, if you go to the Ford website and the configurator, and now you can you're not placing a reservation, you can place a new order, and that's sent out to your local dealership. But uh, it, it revealed all the pricing for it, so we already had a good idea of the pricing. But this 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 gives us a nitty gritty, all the little details. So I was able to play around with the configurator to to know the most important stuff, which uh, you you see it right away when you have to choose your model here. Uh, the big, the big, the most important thing is that if you get the pro version, so the start the the cheapest one starting at forty thousand dollars, you can only get the small battery pack. Which uh, did I put the range here? Um, the range of the small battery pack. Well, that was dumb if I didn't put it in. Uh, yeah, right there. Uh, 230 miles of range. And uh, then on the XLT and the Lariat version, you have the option to go with the, the standard battery pack or the extended range. And then if you go with the $90,000 Platinum uh, version of the Lightning, uh, it starts at, uh, you, you only have the bigger battery pack option, which they call the extended range battery. But then where the shenanigans come uh, come in is that if you go so so how do I get the longest range without paying too much? That's 
I feel like that's a lot of what people are trying to do with the with these trucks. Like I want the big range for when I have to tow something, when I have to load that truck up with stuff, and, and I want to have a decent range even with that. But I don't want to pay uh, ninety thousand dollars, and I want to pay seventy thousand dollars or whatever. So you see, you look at it and like, yeah, all right. So I can get an extended range battery on a fifty-three thousand dollars XLT Lightning. But then if you click on that, you find out okay, the extended range is a ten thousand uh, dollar increase. So okay, so that's fifty-three thousand dollars plus ten thousand dollars. I can have a sixty-three thousand dollar three hundred mile range F one fifty electric. No, you cannot because they actually package it that if you choose the extended range pack on the XLT, you also get lunked in into a 9,500 uh, equipment group that includes things like bigger wheels and, and, and stuff like that, which actually <laughs> negatively affect your range um, and a, a few other package things that, I mean, you could argue whether it's worth nine, uh, $9,000 or not, but that brings up the price to $74,000. So the Cheapest version of the Lightning you can get at 300 miles of range is $74,000. That's that's a lot. Yeah. So going back to the Silverado, I would expect something similar if you want to get the longer range version. But right. they claim that the longer range version will get uh, 400 miles of range. Right. So something to keep in mind. So maybe they're going to they're gonna have more options there. I mean, when Tesla first announced the Cybertruck, there were there were a lot of options. Um, but Tesla is known for actually not having a lot of options once they reach production. They like to streamline things and keep them simple. Uh, and recently, of course, they shut down the Cybertruck uh, configurator with the different trims. So we don't even know exactly what that's going to look like. But the competition is starting to become clearer now. Yeah. All right. Um, so that those are the prices that you get once you get on the configurator online. They are the MSRP, the manufactured suggested retail price. But Ford is using the legacy dealership models, and the final price is always negotiated between the buyer and the dealership model, which uh, creates a bunch of uh, problems for people to get uh, kind of an homogenous pricing situation. And uh, we reported last week that uh, some some buyers of the F-150 Lightning, uh, some reservation holders actually that are being contacted by the dealership to to transfer the reservation into an order are are, are being uh, asked to pay a lot more than, uh, than the MSRP. Uh, we've seen a lot of $10,000 more, uh, a few $20,000 more, and even a $30,000 more than the MSRP. And they're doing some, some chicanery too that's like the... the, the asking people to pay like a bigger deposit to keep the reservation if they want to have one of the first vehicle allocated because again the, the, for for this year apparently uh, Ford only has about 15,000 units that they can allocate to the dealerships so they are um, and they have 200,000 reservation for it so so it's it, obviously the demand is a lot higher than than uh, production capacity but at the same time this week uh, they announced for that they are increasing the production capacity of the lightning uh, but that's more uh, that's more going to be felt next year where when they were planning to only only produce about 80,000 units uh, now they are talking about 150,000 units so that's uh that's a lot more uh, vehicle to be uh, available next year. But even then, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to work through the reservation backlog at this point. No way. Yeah. I mean, there's so, so many people who want electric pickups from everybody, from Rivian and Tesla and Ford and Chevy and probably others. Yeah. And none of them are going to be up to speed by 2025. 
it's yeah. it's just going to be hard to get a electric pickup for at least three years. And it, it it just goes to show that's what we need in the U.S. to to accelerate the adoption. We needed uh, electric pickup trucks because the pickup segment is just too strong in the U.S. If you don't have electric options there, we we never gonna make a big dent in in the adoption. So now that they're coming, we are, uh, and we're we're seeing it's the, the demand is there already. You still have a bunch of. Uh, Petrol heads that are like, oh, I'm never going to bet an electric pickup truck. But the, <laughs> by the time that their neighbor gets one and they start smoking them with like three seconds zero sixty, and uh, they don't pay uh, $120 to fill a gas tank of it, or I mean, I don't, know, I don't even know what the prices are in the US. Um, or here, really, I haven't bought gas in like four years, so I don't know. But um, they are, it is expensive, and you have a bigger tank in, in, in a pickup truck, obviously. So it's more expensive. But so so with all that chicanery happening, uh, what we learned today is that Ford actually tried to address it uh, and sent a, a bulletin to to Ford dealership. And uh, they said, uh, and I quote, it has come to our attention that the limited number of dealership, so just a few bad apples, are interacting with customers in a manner that is negatively impacting customers and damaging the Ford Motor Company brand and dealer body reputation. Examples of these negative interaction include demanding that customers we are already on the reservation list for the 2022 model year f-150 lightning make additional deposits or payment these actions are perceived as threatening customers by withholding their opportunity to convert reservation to orders so they are not directly addressing the uh markup situation uh, I see. I've seen this this bulletin been misreported by other publication that where they say like, oh, they, Ford is shutting down the markups. Ford doesn't have that much power to shut down the markups. Like like, right. a, like the when when you reserve the car from them, they tell you clearly the final pricing is negotiated between you and your dealership. Uh, so that's still the case. But um, they have a clause in their dealership contract that that says that they they, they cannot uh, act in, in 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 bad faith and then do a. Uh, um, Kind of a bait and switch that, uh, situation that they, uh, they they called it, uh, where you, you're you're being told that you're going to be able to um, convert your reservation into an order with the hundred dollar deposit that you made, and then asking for another deposit on top of that to keep your reservation. That that can be seen as a, a bait and switch. But in terms of the markups, I, I don't know that's uh, that's going to be what's happening. But the way that Ford framed the email, it looks more like. Uh, watch, watch what you do, what you're doing, dealership. We're, we're keeping an eye on it, and then they literally threaten to. We can move a location around, you know, and we can decide not to allocate trucks to you guys. So I feel like that they could use those kind of tactics that the, so the dealerships are using to remove the allocation. But so because a lot of those same dealerships that are using those tactics are also doing the crazy markups. So they, they generally go hand in hand. Um, so, so this this is a good move on on, on Ford's uh, front list. But at the same time, which was weirder, in the same bulletin, the um, head of sales at Ford uh, said that uh, he, he reminded, <laughs> no, he, he voiced the company's support, the automaker's support uh, for dealers to add a no sell provision to their contracts with F one fifty Lightning buyers, which would uh, make it so that they cannot resell the car within a year of buying it from the dealers uh this is to avoid uh kind of uh, just a quick reselling to uh uh to to make money off of the high demand from it um some people in the comments on my article suggested that that's to prevent 
uh, like employees of the dealership to do that to buy the car themselves and then resell it. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how much that is true, but I feel like it's more for the customers. Like it's already people are trying to like people who have secured one of those early reservation uh, of those early allocation, I should say. So some of the dealership are getting like 10, 20 units in, in 2022. Uh, so, so they're, they're trying to mark up those uh, significantly. And if they told the customers, all right, give me $10,000 deposit more, $10,000 uh, markup, and I'll give it to you. And then people are trying to sell it for a $20,000 markup right away. Uh, so they're trying to avoid that, it sounds like. I saw somebody else in the comments mention that uh, Land Rovers get bought up quickly and get sold off in China because they don't have a a good distribution market there. Yeah, oh. yeah that's called a gray, gray market when when you right. when you do that, like you uh, you, you, you sell where where people are not uh, already available uh, through regular channels. Um, yeah, then you, there's generally big markups on those. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Tesla a little bit. That happened like last weekend, so uh, it's not as up to date, but we have to discuss it because it's just such an incredible accomplishment from Tesla. They released on Sunday the um, uh, Q4 uh, production and delivery numbers, and uh, it was a blowout quarter with more than 305,000 vehicles produced and over 308,000 vehicles delivered for a total of... 936,000 vehicles delivered in 2021. So very close to a million. But in, in, of course, in the new information here is more like a, about a Q4. And the, the expectation from Wall Street was about 265,000 units. So it's a massive, massive beats on Wall Street. In, uh, but I mean, at this point, I don't care about that that much. Like Wall Street is wrong all the time anyway. But what's most impressive is the production bump quarter to quarter, like, Increasing production over a three months period is is not is not easy, um, and Tesla increased that from two hundred and thirty seven thousand units produced in Q three to three hundred and five thousand units in Q four, like a seventy two thousand unit increase uh, over a quarter. It, it, it's massive, and and that's achieved without uh, Gigafactory Berlin, Gigafactory Texas, that have been kind of delayed a little bit. Uh, both are apparently going to start production any day now. Like uh, there's been a lot of activities at both plant and some some vehicles spotted and everything, but um, the the this uh, production alone was achieved to uh, production ramp alone was achieved to Shanghai and Fremont. Um, Model S and X, uh, 13,000 production, 11,000 deliveries. So that was up a little bit too, but uh, not not massively really. And um, and Model 3, Model Y is still where, where the meat is um, and will be for, for the foreseeable future. I mean, it's not just the meat. It's like everything... Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. like everything but the you know like the skin maybe is <laughs> is uh, model S and model X. It's like ten times more model three Y being sold more than that actually. Yeah, and I mean you you compare it to all the other automakers right now. I, I know a lot of the naysayers are like, look at DYD. Like DYD is like new energy vehicles. They have a lot of plug-in hybrids and everything. It's not it's not exactly the same. They're doing good though. They're doing a lot of good, but. Uh, other than BYD, like it being the similar kind of volumes as Tesla uh, globally, it, it, it's it's it, Tesla is kind of on the league of its own, really. Um, yeah. I mean, we just reported on on GM, who's according to the president of the United States, the leader in electric vehicle, and they delivered twenty six 
<laughs> electric vehicles uh, last quarter. So versus like three hundred eight thousand, it's it's totally different. And and but and the more and the most uh, more even more impressive than that is the, the the speed of the ramp up is is looks like it's ramping up faster than than it was earlier. Like it, that's mind boggling. Like seventy thousand increase uh, quarter to quarter as well. And so now I, I'm not I I stay cautiously realist about Q uh, Q1 2022. I don't think we're going to see that big of a bump. Uh, we should see kind of a bump probably of a few thousands units just from the new production in Berlin and, and, and Texas. But uh, I, I think you, we you need to expect some issue ramping up there. Uh, but for Q2, Q3, Q4 of 2022, this is very exciting. Like um, when, Last week we discussed about Tesla. What, what did we say about Tesla um, delivering Oh, wait, we said exiting a runway of two million next year would be uh, by the end of 2022 would be a great goal for Tesla. Uh, but now uh, we 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 learned that Tesla is at a run rate of over 1.2 million vehicle already. So the need to increase the capacity of 0.8 million over the next year, uh, which is a lot more achievable now because you split that. Like let let's say that. Um, Let's say that you can squeeze 200,000 more units out of Shanghai and Fremont, which I think is very achievable, especially in Shanghai. And so that means you need to ramp up um, Berlin and Texas to, to an average of 300,000 units each, which sounds like a lot. But again, I'm talking about an exit rate at the end of the year. So they, they need to go from zero to, to, to like the last few weeks of the year, be able to produce... Uh, how, how many cars is it uh, a week that that is uh, 300 uh, right, right, 50, probably, yeah 5,000 like uh, yeah 5.5 5. 5. Um, yeah that's a lot yeah it's a, it would be a great goal to have and if they get close to it that that would be great uh, but yeah it's a, now that I think of it, it's, it's it still would be would be extremely impressive if they can ramp up to five thousand units already. Like that's almost as fast, if not faster, than Shanghai. Really? No, about as fast as Shanghai. Yeah, I mean, Tesla is the first automaker to get to real volume electric vehicle production. The other thing is, um, I think quarter four is a, usually a little bigger uh, than other quarters. Just normally speaking, I think if you look at the graph, it, I don't know, well, mm -hmm. Tesla's is kind of just straight up, but um, generally speaking, I think a lot of automakers sell more on Q4, maybe Christmas gifts or whatever. <laughs> I'd like to have one of those Christmas yeah. gifts. Uh, yeah. The big one. All right. Uh, in the margin of uh, well, Volkswagen, wasn't really, I, I could, <coughs> sorry, uh, I need to drink something. Uh, the it wasn't Volkswagen wasn't as active in, in, at CES, but they did add kind of an announcement on the side uh, where they confirmed the launch um, of the uh, minibus, the ID ID Buzz, the electric minibus that's going to launch that uh, Herbert Diaz called the Legion returns uh, on March 9th. So 
looks like Volkswagen is betting big on this vehicle. Like I, I'm not like I, I like it. I think it's a it's a cool vehicle, but I've seen them like they they launching it production both in Germany and the US virtually at the same time or very close. They want to ramp them up both at the same time. They didn't do that with the ID3. They didn't do that with the ID4. So it looks like the ID Buzz for some reason is very um, they're very optimistic about it. Um, but there's reasons to be because uh, apparently they're going to have not, not a crazy base price uh, around $50,000 or even less than $50,000 for, for what is a bigger vehicle with a 80 kilowatt hour badge pack in it. That would be impressive of a price. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, they're doing it. He shared this little image here of it uh, that gives you a kind of a out shape of the of the vehicle. From that drawing, it looks very much like uh, the uh, the prototype that we uh, we've been seeing around uh, lately, like you, you see here. But of course, this is a hilly camouflage with this weird wrap on it. Yeah, I mean, so this kind of fits the uh, mini minivan market. Um, I know a lot of people are looking for a third row. You know, they have two or three kids, mm-hmm. and they want to be able to carry their friends, or you know, you have a big family. Um, and you need more, if you have four or five kids, you definitely need a third row. So this gives you that without being, uh, you know, an SUV or a truck or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I should look into how many minivans are sold in the U S a year. Like, uh, you don't see them as much like the, no, they were yeah, really SUV, popular SUV, a while ago. Yeah, SUV market just took over. Minivans right. are actually better in a lot of ways. There's a lot more space inside than an SUV, and like soccer moms and dads aren't going off road that much. So, yeah, uh, they just don't look as good as a SUV. Right. That seems exactly. to be the big the big difference. And then uh, Wallbox uh, came out with the Quasar uh, at CES, like they did a few years ago. But now this is the Quasar Two. Uh, this is a bi-directional charging. Uh, set up for home and businesses. Uh, but unlike the Quasar 1 was uh, Chademo because that was the only protocol at that point that supported uh, vehicle to home, vehicle to grid, vehicle to, to everything. Uh, this one features a CCS combo DC charger, which is, of course, now becoming the standard and every EV uh, is support the standard now. Even Nissan. The yeah. Even Nissan. Once Nissan gave up Chademo, it's basically a a done deal. Uh, but what else is different? Is there anything else interesting other than the switch to CCS, which of course makes it a lot more uh, accessible? They have this thing called uh, blackout mode, uh, which I, the thing could kind of do before, but now uh, if your power at your house goes out, it automatically clicks over and starts sucking uh, energy from your EV. Um, I should like, first of all, this is all amazing technology. Like I love everything about it. The problem is, is like, we haven't really seen it. Like Mm -hmm. there were like two or three YouTube videos with it being used with the, um, Quasar one. And it's just not out there. Like they, I don't think they sold any in the U S. Um, there's a couple in the UK that were, you know, used by power company people, but it's really just not out there and they also didn't announce any partners like usually when you announce something like this you're like hey you know it works with the ford f-150 or the uh volkswagen id4 mm-hmm. and it by all you know everybody seems to think it's going to work with the id4 but you you got to say it's going to work with the id4 mm-hmm. 
or, you know, just give, give me one car maker that has, you know, is capable of bi-directional charging with this, uh, product right now. And, and, uh, Wallbox didn't do that. So that was a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. You're right. They need, they need some partnership, uh, because on but on the electric utility side of things, do they need any partnership on that front too? Or technically right. like every everyone that has like kind of a um support for energy storage for like power walls and, and things like that, the uh, and they want to avoid like peak um peak charges and everything, you could just use the same billing system and, and apply it to your car's battery using the Quasar instead of uh instead of a power wall or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, but then, because if you look on the automaker side, all the automakers are, are advertising like vehicle to everything, uh, like the Ionic from Hyundai, like the Ford F-150, it, it's the, they haven't really shown any kind of device for the home to do that. Like the Quasar, they, they've showed like, you, we've, we've seen Ford charging the Mustang Mackie with the Ford F-150. We've seen Ionic powering a little camping station with the Ionic 5 vehicle to everything uh system a uh, vehicle to home uh you need this 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 thing that connects to your home um so so yeah it would be interesting to see and i mean technically if it works on the ccs standard and those the other vehicle uh vehicle to home capacity work with the ccs standard and it should be kind of a plugging issue right just plug it in and yeah I mean, the box. it should go backwards and forwards uh fairly simply um and there shouldn't be any other cables or technology needed. Um, we should note that uh, Wallbox did announce a partnership with uh, Sun Power, uh, which does those kind of um, things with their, their solar the power solar. and their batteries. So, you know, theoretically that would be their, you know, technology partner. Yeah. And that makes sense. Cause also there would be an installer. So you need to install that thing so that uh, you can actually, your house can actually take that electricity that's coming from your, from, from your vehicle. Like it's a, uh, it's good that your car can plug in into this device, but this needs to uh, be installed properly too. Yeah. And so I asked about price and they were like, well, the current one's 4,000 and it's not going to be much different than that. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't have an exact mm-hmm. price yet. Um, the one other thing that uh, we should note um, and, you know, Micah's, very excited about this. Um, it will charge a Harley Davidson up in about an hour, you know, from, from your home basically, because, you know, you're getting a DC charge coming out of that thing. Um, For people who don't know that the Harley Davidson doesn't have a level two charger. Is that right? right? It goes from level one to level three. Yeah. So, um, so at home you're stuck to level one for most people because at home you generally don't have a level three, but that, is DC power. So you can, you, you can have a little tree. That's the law. Yeah. It's actually, uh, you know, even for like a Chevy bolt, for instance, which is a 32 amp or uh 7.68 kilowatt. Um, this will be charging much faster than that. It'll be charging at 48 amps ish or like 11 kilowatts. So, or maybe even more than that, but 11.5, uh, at 48 amps. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty cool. Like, Instead of charging your bolt at, you know, I don't know how the battery is going to like mm-hmm. it, but um, instead of charging your bolt at the normal, you know, mm-hmm. 32 amps, you can charge it at 48 amps. That's a 50% mm-hmm. improvement in your charge time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely uh, like this thing. You, you got to see it as a replacement bolt for your, your like a home battery pack. 
if if you're okay with use, using your, your your vehicle's battery for that. But again, if it's for the blackout mode, then then yeah, you're okay. Like if for the few times that you lose power, that makes sense. I use the battery. But if you plan to use it for a net metering kind of situation where you're sending back electricity or you're using it at peak power to get the difference, that's the the advantage of that is recurring. If you do it as often as possible, and that means using a lot more of your battery pack in your car, which you might not want to do for long term battery degradation. So yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind. But at the same time, uh, if if that becomes the norm and people install those things at home, uh, you can also foresee some kind of grid services where uh, they they could draw the power when they really need it, like like Texas, for example, in February right. of last year when everything was shutting down because there was the demand was too great for a, a, a thing like that. Like if shutting down means like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of, of losses, well, then it makes sense to just let's draw power for a little bit from everyone and uh, let's give them a good compensation for that because, like, you're really, like, helping, like, save hundreds of millions of dollars um, to the grid and and the impact is, is really, like, very short-term on you. So this, this could be a great solution for that. Yeah. All right. The last thing before we go into the uh, the comments, especially if you guys have any questions for us, put them in the comment section right now, hopefully in the all caps or at least the question in all caps so that uh, we uh, we know where to look. But it looks like we already have a bunch. So we, yeah, we have a lot actually today, but uh, we probably have some time for so a few more. So uh, let's put them in right now. The last piece of news I wanted to discuss is Nikola Motor. Um, our good friends of Nikola Motor have finally decided to drop their patent trolling lawsuit which i've called patent trolling since the beginning <laughs> um uh, for the the tesla semi uh, design here you see the nikola one right there and then the tesla semi that was all the way back in 2018 that the lawsuit started i want to say well, 2009 well, yeah 2018 that was when the, the semi was unveiled Nikola Motors claimed that uh, Tesla stole the design uh, based on three specific design patents that they they, they had, um, that, and that's why I called the the whole lawsuit patent trolling because the the three design that they were patenting was this this wrapped uh, windshield here, a mid entry door which doesn't even look like there is on this particular version. I'm, I mean, that was done by our graphic designer, so maybe they didn't take the right version of the truck, but there's not even a mid-entry door right there. And uh, the overall fuselage of, of the of the vehicle here. And, of course, I found, like, dozens of examples of earlier truck prototypes from all the way back to the 70s that had all of these features, whether it was the fuselage, like if you want to be aerodynamic, you're going to look similar. Like a, a lot of the SUVs these days look similar. A lot of the sedans look similar because they want to be as efficient as possible. They want to have that most aerodynamic performance. So they're going to look similar. Uh, and, and then the, the wrap thing has been around for decades. The wrap windshield and the mid-entry door is the same. So it was just that some reason Nikola decided that it would be worth patenting those designs and once they got the patents for it they were like let's sue Tesla for two billion dollars for using a similar design which was nonsense to begin with uh, and kind of a fallout with 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 Nikola I mean we've always been very critical of their hydrogen uh, plans but uh, we were a big fan once when they bought the what this 
freeform startup they bought for for the doing electric watercrafts and utvs and we tested their utv prototype that they had it was awesome like a great vehicle but of course they abandoned all those plants later on and focused on their trucks and then sued tesla and it, and then uh kind of uh went from there but uh, now they finally gave up on the lawsuit they, they settled out of court uh no no money but i, I think they basically uh nicola uh, agreed to drop the lawsuit if tesla dropped their counter lawsuit because tesla went on the counter attack and sued back nicola um they claimed that they even claimed that like nicola stole the design from a, a remake a designer way back in 2016 and anyway Looks like everybody lost on this thing except for the lawyers. We lawyers. Were, yeah. Lawyers made the money every time, whatever happens. So, like, because nearly, like, nothing happened there. Like, right. no plus, no good. Like, it just went back to the beginning and millions, probably millions and millions of dollars in, in lawyer fees in the process. All right. Let's jump into the comment section. All right. I'm a little slow today still from lack of sleep, but I'll try to get in there. Um, all right. Spikes 43 says question with Rivian pushing longer range truck. What are the odds that Tesla does the same and makes mid range first? They could make more faster and suck up market share. Uh, I, I, I think we shouldn't expect Tesla to do anything uh, different with, with a cyber truck in terms of like just going to top market first and, and going down like they, they usually do. Um, and focus on a specific configuration of the truck first. We don't know which one anymore. Like it, now, it sounds like it's gonna have uh, quad motors. Uh, that's what Elon said. Uh, so probably the quad motor version that's gonna be quite expensive, but it should also come with a longer range version. So um, four hundred miles, five hundred miles. I don't know. Uh, Dan Oberst says on review. I saw. So he's talking about the Silverado uh, EV uh-huh. on review. I saw said. The rear window can be removed to open up the whole backup, and that's that mid-gate thing, mm, yeah. um, indicating that you have to take it out and leave it at home, not simple flip-up or anything. Actually, um, there's a place to put the window behind the rear seat, um, actually in the like the seat thing. So um, they do expect people to do that more than you know once a year, which, which to me I was like, why would – you know, like how often are you going to yeah. call in a couch or something? Well, I mean, but, they, they do they do market that thing to to uh, fleet and uh, like right. workers and that might need it a little bit more. But yeah, for for the consumers, that's fair. Like you, you do that like once every two years, maybe. Yeah. So, um, Bollinger and others, including Tesla, actually need to make a truck first. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, have you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what he means by that. Uh, like, they need to get to market before uh, EV trucks that, are too. Oh, okay. There's yeah, a kind of follow up. Yeah. But let's be honest. It looks like EV trucks are two full two years away from before buying public has access to them. Thoughts? Yeah. No, I, I mean, but, I mean, what, what do we mean by buying public? Like, he says full. Yeah. I'm, like people that place the reservations, the the fair and square, they place the reservation and they're gonna get their trucks this year for the the Rivian, for the Rivian warranty for the F one fifty Lightning. So the, this this it's happening. It's already happening. Uh, however, if we talk about like when are you gonna just be able to go to the dealership and and drive away with with a truck, that's probably more fair. Like two years, two or three years away. To, to get through the already giant backlog that we have to go into a more normal 
speed. But I mean, we say that, but we said that about Tesla too. And then Tesla still has like six months wait for all of their most popular trims. So uh, like 10 years later. So I don't really know. All right. KC5 GTS says, why the extended time to market for GM? There is clear demand. Yes, there is definitely clear demand. But we kind of went through it with the, they are building this on brand new platform and the, they, they need those new factories that they're building. Like, uh, did they say that the Silverado is going to be built at the new, uh, the new one, the new? Uh... Yeah, Hamtramck. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they need. It takes time to deploy the production capacity, and if you want to sell them profitably at those attractive pricing of like forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars that they're talking about, you need to produce them in large, large, large volumes. So, deploying large volume production capacity like that it takes time. And uh, yeah, maybe they're a little bit too late about it uh, on, on, on that front compared to other companies. But I mean, to be fair, Tesla is also in the same boat right now for the Cybertron. Yeah, and and Fami25 says similar. I believe the longer rollout for Silverado is likely a cell capacity thing. You can make many Blazer Equinox if you're making a ton of 200 kilowatt hour Silverado. And I guess Hummer, they're making a few of those too. Uh, likely... Equinox likely seventy to hundred kilowatts, so it can make a lot more. Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of them are going to have to choose like where to allocate their cell capacity. That's for sure. So Dan reserved a non-launch edition Silverado, and it's a twenty twenty-five model. So yeah. that so makes sense. The first year is going to be launch edition, probably. Yeah. Uh, not all Silverados will have a four hundred mile range. Uh, that was clarified. Maybe it was a little confusing. Um, and not all LTM vehicles will have 300 miles of range. Uh, if Scratch EV built, then why the small silver? Hmm. Let me go down a little bit more. All right, Green Gold says GM will have the advantage over Ford in battery supply. Will they? Um, I mean, it depends when you you say when, because uh, Ford just announced their big partnership with the SK, where they they deploying yeah. like what three or four giant battery factories in the in the US. Um, so, so I don't know. It's everyone is like, there's so many levels of bottlenecks right now when it comes to batteries. Like, yes, I think the battery factory is the most important thing, but on the supply chain, like I just sent you set earlier this week, this, uh, lithium chart where it shows where the production capacity is now, where the production capacity is going to be in the next few years. Thanks to the already confirmed new mines and refineries being deployed right now. Uh, and then where the demand is expected to be based on the personally what I think are somewhat conservative uh, demand numbers for EVs and the discrepancy between the two are massive uh, starting in 2025, like massive. Like we, we need to – and that's that, and that's just lithium. Uh, if, you go, if you go to nickel, it's a similar thing. If you go to cobalt, uh, it's a similar thing, uh, though a lot of people are trying to phase out cobalt. But – I mean, cobalt. If you can produce it fairly uh, and at a good price, it's it's gonna be it's still gonna be used greatly because they are a more energy dense battery when it has cobalt. But anyway, we I think those automakers and those battery manufacturers and SK Innovation and LG and all those people they need to start doing like offtake agreement left and right with junior mining companies so that they, so those companies can can take those offtake agreement and. Go try to find some financing to start those those mining operation because the, it takes time to build a, a new mine. 
uh, and, and your production capacity. And if you don't start now, I think in 2025, we're going to start like see prices surge. Last month alone, lithium prices went up 35% over a 30-day period in December alone. Over 1% a day is going up. Now, it doesn't make that big of an impact because like, okay, like 5% of the, the batteries is, is lithium. So it, it's just a, a few dollars more per batteries or battery modules and everything. It's, it doesn't sound that big. But then all, when that nickel, which nickel pricing have been going up over the last five years like crazy too, it all adds up. And once the decrepancy is even bigger, Price are going to shoot up, and it's going to be impossible to make an, an electric vehicle for a decent price anymore. Unless, again, we we start financing those new mines soon. All right, Otto says, "Question: If I opt to upgrade from MCU one to current version, will I be able to keep my XM subscription, AMFM radios, and premium connectivity?" Uh, premium connectivity, sure. Um, the XM, uh, the, the radio thing, I, I'm not so sure. You have you look on the Tesla support page for the MCU upgrade. I, I think you don't, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'll look into that. All right. Uh, thank you. I, I hope they're going to reduce the price of that upgrade too now that they have the MCU 3 that's uh, that's being introduced in Model 3 and Model Y right now. We reported last week or two weeks ago. All right, KC5GTS says vehicle to home would need a means to switch off street power while it's powering the home. Yeah, I would I would imagine that that it probably islands itself basically. Yeah. So and that that's probably a third party part because it Yeah, can't. well the power wall uh, is gateway is already doing that like um right. So you just need a similar product but for the for the Quasar or whatever. All right, Matt Neuendorfer asked, do you think Tesla will make a Cybertruck with the vehicle to everything, B2E, with a lot of other EVs making it an option? Yeah, we talked about it last week, and there's a lot of education that looks like Tesla is, is going to make it the features, too, for, for the, specifically for the Cybertruck, but pretty much all vehicles, too. There's another question, or any of their cars in the future. Yeah, well, basically. Yeah. That's what yeah. All right, that's it for the questions. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, uh, for listening to this week's episode of the Electric Podcast and watching for YouTube. If you do like the show, please give us a thumbs up. It, it, it's free, and uh, it helps the, the show more, more than you think. Um, other than that, if you're listening on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star review, that's actually super helpful, too. And uh, we're going to see you same place, same time next week. Stay safe out there. <laughs>